I know for a fact that you went to Rome, you met a beautiful boy named Paolo. <laughs> You're right. Okay, so the fact that I met a superstar, fell in love with him, and ended up on stage with him that night at the international award ceremony does not mean I can relate to this film. <laughs> My name is Harbin Butterfield. I'm Krakamus Mountbatten. And I'm Kyle. And welcome to Grow Up, a Saturday morning podcast for fatigued millennials. Here on Grow Up, we deconstruct and reflect upon popular media from our collective childhoods. You can send us suggestions for our next episode by tweeting them to at growthepodup or by sending them to growthepodup at gmail.com with the name you want to credit it to. This week... The Lizzie McGuire movie. This is what Lizzie McGuire. That's as far as we can get with the song, I think, legally. So why did we choose the film of Elizabeth McGregor? Elizabeth McGregor. You guys were very, you guys were very insistent on it. Uh, Insistent is, I think, the wrong word because I feel like it maybe had negative. Enthusiastic. I I would use the word enthusiastic undertone. Yeah, yeah, no. From one Mr. Cobb. But but that's not the way that I meant it. That's not the way that I meant it, so I regret using that word. Because it was kind of a pillar of like female, like childhood. Lizzie McGuire was a big, big thing in like a lot of our lives. And that's not true for everybody, but like for a lot of us, Lizzie McGuire was like a coming of age show. But yeah, no, I've never seen it at all. I mean, I... My, oh, Virgin Alert! Everyone drink. Yeah. The, uh, I know that you all have Whatever classes of alcohol have. nearby because it's 9 a.m. In a word, the Lizzie McGuire movie. Perfecto. Perfecto. I give it, I give it 14 bowls of spaghetti. Wow, that's a great rating. The, when I was watching this, because I was on the phone with Robin, and uh, I was watching it in my living room, and my roommates came out and were like, are you watching the Lizzie McGuire movie? And they both sat down to watch it with me, one of which is Justin, my male roommate. Now you, what did you think, male friend? You know, I, I obviously have feel differently about this because it, it isn't something that catered to my experience in any significant way. It didn't tell a story that I connected with. I mean, like, I... I, I can see where it's coming from. I see where it what what where it matters, but it just for me it was something that first of all it wasn't something I had seen in my youth. I never felt entirely out of place, like everywhere. You know, I definitely did not have stage fright. So just like oh my god, the thing this about to a backhanded compliment. <laughs> it's like I wasn't um, flawed like Lizzie McGuire, <laughs> so I couldn't relate. <laughs> That's what. That's not a backhanded compliment. I'm literally describing what, like, she is a bumbling sort of awkward person. She very much is. Who goes through a personal journey while she's in a foreign place and gains confidence in herself. All right. Well, let's move into our discussion then. Um, I wanted to preface everything before we go into this that um, I noticed two ways you can watch this film. Oh, interesting. One is that it's a metaphor for coming of age. The other way to look at it is the Maguire women have had a curse put upon them by an otherworldly source that creates doppelgangers in the world. And young Elizabeth 
has been on a collision course with her much more affluent doppelganger and her mother setting her forth to Rome knows that her and her doppelganger will be running into each other and only one will survive. These flames are stoked by the demon Paolo. (laughs) The demon Paolo. Not human, but a demon here to destroy the Maguire doppelgangers. Um, And those are really the two ways you can interpret the movie. That's... A really interesting point because I kept making notes about how very scared Lizzie's mom was to send her away. My note says, mother misses her viciously. (laughs) (laughs) Cute. So we start the movie with Lizzie McGuire getting ready to graduate from middle school. The opening scene, the opening sequence, the opening credits... Begin with blackmail, antagonism, and distrust. Yeah. The very opening shot is her brother, like, spying on her. Yeah, he's a really toxic presence in her life, I kept making note of. I just don't like him. Which, you know, if this is a metaphor for coming of age, he's more of just typical younger brother to an extreme. Or he is not of this world. Everyone in Lizzie McGuire's life is not actually human. Her life is populated by horrible spirits that are just <laughs> shepherding her curse anyways keep going um her her young brother we, this is such a i think a really pretty ingenious mechanic that the director used or the writer uh whoever conceived of it employed it was lizzie mcguire or it was uh, hillary duff wrote it. Or, uh, uh, <laughs> in any case it's an ingenious it's an ingenious device here where they not only are showing us using this opening credit to show off the mischief of her younger brother, but mm-hmm. by like making him spy on her, we also then get to see a glimpse into her private life. And yeah, that was a pretty mm-hmm. interesting in that private life where she is herself, where she doesn't think anyone's watching. She is so confident. That's true. For no good reason, because she falls. She is so She falls lively. a lot. Well, for no good reason. It's because she's herself when she's alone, you know? It's not for no yeah. good reason. The good reason is that she's being herself. That's where she gets her confidence from. Whether she falls a lot or not, that's part of herself. And, you know, she, she doesn't care about that when nobody else can see. Because that's yeah. just who she is. And she's just having a good time dancing and being lively. There's this, you know, the idea of the private life and the public life. And it's, I, yeah. it was really cool for me to notice uh, as, as an actor, <laughs> the symbology, <laughs> the symbology of the stage. Well, yeah, to like juxtapose that with like what happens the following day. Yeah, well, exactly. Whatever. Because there are two giant moments at the beginning and yeah. the end of this movie that involve the stage. A very stage, much yeah. the public life, the public version of her. We see the very beginning, her utter confidence in her very private life. But you introduce the face of the people into it. You put yourself out there for everyone to see. And suddenly she is her most insecure self. After their middle school graduation, Lizzie and a bunch of her classmates uh, take a trip to Rome. Wait, did, is- we, did we explicitly mention what, she, what happens at her graduation? Well, she gave an, a terrible speech uh she knocked over the entire stage basically she just ruined the graduation we go to rome and we have uh, a high school teacher escorting the children her name is the principal she's the principal fuck well this is mrs ungermeyer she's my other soul 
She's great. I love her. In so many ways, I really liked Mrs. Ungermeyer. I wrote a lot of notes about her. Okay, so we get a montage of the sightseeing in Rome. Find out that Lizzie's rooming with her mortal enemy, Kate Enough to let Kate Sanders get to me. Oh, yes, you will. <laughs> and then Lizzie and Gordo decide that this is the place to have an adventure and start over. You and me, adventures, deal. Yeah, that doesn't happen. I got these quotes. But she says to Gordo, of like, we can we can completely start over. We can be new people. And there's like that idea of like when you get to high school, you're gonna establish yourself and you're gonna become popular. Like I remember with one of my friends who I won't name, uh, we had like a journal that we would keep bullet points of how we thought we might be popular in high school. Oh, and it didn't happen. but yeah like they're they're in this weird headspace of like we gotta be new people and we're finally gonna be who we were destined to be and we're gonna have these adventures and they don't get like you are a baby you have so much time and your brain isn't even gonna be fully formed for 10 more years yeah it was a lot to watch very young children go through something like being manipulated by a pop star Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we see lizzie and gordo go to the trevay fountain well, yeah, actually, wait, Lizzie can I talk about to, that? Because yeah. it was such a, it was such a, for me, Please a really, do. a really great, like, it was a, it was a good moment, editing-wise, because it's, it's them on the roof, looking out of this beautiful evening sky, it's gorgeous out there, you know, and it's this tender moment between them, they're saying, you and me, adventures, deal, they are mm-hmm. making the decision to have a new life, a good life, a clean you know, happy life. You know, I say clean, but and then they're imme- finally going to get off the drugs. And, and immediately, <laughs> immediately, it cuts to uh, the image of the Trevi Fountain in in the day. So it's just a like fountain, this yeah. beautiful blue water, this gorgeous architecture, and this uh, you know obvious symbology of that, representing washing things clean, getting ready to start a new life, to move on. To be ready for adventures, the exact thing that they agreed on last night, that can happen now. And immediately she meets Paolo. But the second her, like, like what she was it, a makes a wish, she throws a coin. It hits the water. She the looks fountain. down and sees Paolo. Um, right before that, is it Ungermeyer? I don't have the exact quote. Someone says that it's like, it's actually not good luck to put throw something in. Someone's saying oh, something about I that. I didn't catch that. And then... And then Hillary, excuse me, <laughs> Lizzie <Whoa. laughs> is like, Gordo, let's throw the, let's throw one in anyways. And he's like, sure. And then they toss it. And then she meets Paolo, the most oh, a beautiful man, yeah, by the way. He's I don't the remember villain. him being that beautiful. But um, but yeah, it, it's it's she shouldn't have done that. Cause it's, and she's thinking, what great luck, the most beautiful boy in yeah. the world. It's bad luck because he is a demon. <laughs> and I'm not saying this like as an adjective that like he's a terrible boy. He actually rose from the pits of hell. <laughs> okay, so once Lizzie sees Paolo, um, he, he immediately just offers adventure. Like literal adventure. Wants to take her off on his little Vespa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's cute. So Paolo recognizes Lizzie as... Uh, his singing partner Isabella. Uh, he is a played by Hillary Duff. Played by Hillary Duff, also, but in a brown wig, with an Italian accent. <laughs> Not a good Italian accent either. He needs Lizzie to come sing with him at these VMA award basically 
this these v- VMA awards basically something. and uh something <laughs> and <laughs> yes, can you sing with me at something can you sing with me at this award show please and embarrass my former singing partner Isabella well he doesn't want to embarrass her he wants to cover for her because she's mad and took off oh yeah and they used to date it's a perfect situation for Lizzie. You could not come up with... You couldn't write a better situation for Lizzie. Lizzie fakes sick to uh, sneak out to see Paolo again at the fountain. She meets him there, and the first thing he does when she gets there is he says something nice to her, and she just melts. Yeah. And he, he has her like that. And so then he takes her out to see the real Rome. And I was struck again by the Great fact that music. this girl... Yeah, very good music. But I was struck again... By the fact that this girl is 14 years old, and he's 17 in Rome. <laughs> and the only thing he ever did was, like, kiss her hand or something. I know. And I was like, hmm. I'm glad name. that it was so safe. Like, if I knew a 14-year-old or I had a 14-year-old, I cannot think of a worse thing. Well, yeah. I can. I can think of a worse thing, but that's, like, that's such a nightmare scenario, is that your 14-year-old has run off with a 17-year-old pop star. I know. That's Dude, I would love it. I'm never having kids. kids. I'm oh, adding right. that to my list of reasons to never have children. <laughs> oh, that would be that so bad. cool. No. No, Robin. Never Nobody give Robin children. <laughs> when when you find yourself a life partner, um, I am going to uh, let her know that one time <laughs> when we were in our <laughs> 20s, Robin said it would be so cool if his 14-year-old ran off with a 17-year-old pop star. That would be so cool. And then we move into a scene where Matt finds out about the resemblance between Lizzie and Isabella. And, like, his instinct is to destroy her with this information. Okay, so after Matt finds out, uh, we start seeing little cracks in Lizzie's perfect little adventure. She is caught in traffic with Paolo, and her bus has pulled up behind them. And Gordo steps in to save the day. What a boy. Uh, what a boy. But she... Oh, we haven't even talked about Sergey. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, God. What a That's right. Pop. This is this. Well, this is the scene where Ungermeyer starts the feud with Sergey. actually. That turns to love. Because um, Sergey is oh my god it's so funny because early on it's like the seven foot tall bald man who follows beautiful 17 year old paolo around and um when he's introducing himself to lizzie and she's like oh it's my friend gordo and he's like this is my friend sergey and then later she's like why does your friend sergey follow us around everywhere and it's like lizzie that's his bodyguard (laughs) (laughs) you actually believe that that was his friend like how She's so naive and so she innocent. She is so naive. And she's being whisked away by evil Paolo. But the important thing here is that Lizzie and Paolo get away. Uh, Sergei's in a car behind them, a convertible. Um, and Ungermeyer gets out of the bus. This is, let me repeat, this is what is important in this scene. Ungermeyer says something about, oh, you want a piece of the Ungermeyer? And slaps her ass as she's making. <laughs> eye contact with Sergei, and um, that's really the point of that whole arc in the movie. I also kind of wanted to point out that Paolo continuously calls Lizzie Karina, which means, I looked it up, 
it means nice. It's like a term of endearment, but it's God. The actual translation is nice, and it just yes. brings it right back to the fact that she is so naive and so sweet and so nice. He is the worst. Yeah, because like every time she starts saying, "Oh, I can't stay long," he just like shuts her down and manipulates her. And I didn't catch the Karina thing, but that makes me nuts. Mm-hmm. Because like. If he was actually interested in her, he would probably say something like Bella. He like, would call her her fucking name. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, listen, this is this is something that's really uh, I I, I very had a lot of notes about it. Um, it's really interesting. You're approaching it from a different angle than I had viewed it, but I think we're arriving at the same conclusion. Where I said um, it is interesting to note that this entire time Paolo has been trying to encourage Lizzie to be someone else. Uh, yeah he is trying to make her, he's truncating her identity every he, he's not trying to use her name he doesn't want her to talk impose her identity on the situation he wants to be exactly uh this perfect version of what needs to happen for himself so and, oh, gross. making her be isabella the entire time making her put on a different identity Oh my god! The scene that it, it, I think it's perfectly encapsulated in that scene where she's trying on all these different clothing, all of these different things, and she's like, "This isn't me. This clothes. isn't working." And he goes, "That's the best part. This isn't you. This is Isabella. Oh you can oh. be Isabella." He is a witch. <laughs> Burn him. Yeah, he's, he's beautiful, to... but he's evil. Okay, so after that, uh, we see a scene of Gordo talking to. Ethan Craft. <laughs> and uh Gordo's super jealous that Lizzie had such a like beautiful day. Um, even though she was being manipulated the whole time. And then Ethan reinforces this idea of the friend zone, but he calls it the approach and the sting. Ethan, why must you be my precious boy? Well, because he's 14. Why must he be the mouthpiece for such right. a terrible theory? He is the mouthpiece, but Gordo is the instrument of its, like... True. Yeah, so Gordo's really the toxic part of it. It's Ethan who calls him out on his jealousy and makes him realize that he does like Lizzie more than a friend. So this is actually the point where we get the montage with all of the great uh, artistic fashion. Oh! oh, I love the scene! Okay. You you go, you tell us about this scene. Kat. Oh, you want me? Yes. To tell you about it. Okay. First of all, when we were watching it, and that woman comes up, that fantastic goddess comes out in her like yep. outfit. We, me, I was like, that's Ivan Ooze. And, <laughs> and, and, and I realized we've discovered a new archetype. So if anyone's watching these out of or listening to these out of order, we watched um, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie last week, and it had like the best villain named oh, Ivan Ooze, who just has the same general chutzpah of this woman <laughs> and like they are, we've discovered a new archetype and it's the Ivan Ooze and I don't know it's how to, very good I don't know how to put my finger on it clarification will follow as we watch more and more of these and discover yeah find more Ivan the Ooze. true villain behind it all the true villain yeah. Ivan Ooze this will be our doctoral thesis uh, they he, she has to get styled for I'm just gonna keep saying the VMA so it feels real to me um so they try on all these clothes and oh and it's like RuPaul's You Better Work Cowgirl is playing and it's very good and they try on the most bizarre things that are so good. There's a blow up igloo dress that I was 
a bit distraught she did not pick because i'm like she could have been lady gaga before lady gaga was lady gaga yeah it was quite good she missed an entire career and then she also says goodbye lizzie mcguire hello fabulous which i think is kind of gross uh, because yeah. that's implying that Lizzie McGuire herself can't be fabulous. Well, no, I think that's actually the entire point of... I know, it's gross. It's, yeah, right, but that's what, like, the whole Paolo trying to make her be a different person thing, that's sort of like this... And that's how deep she falls into it. You know, it's, that's the the nexus, the apotheosis, whichever, I don't know. That's the, the you know, the moment where she has reached her lowest point point of self that's true because she's the least herself right now because she is you know casting off the bondage of her own identity she's not being true to who she is this is hurting me (laughs) that in every she thinks she's having this like amazing adventure but actually, she's just, you know, she's like, Paolo's so great. He calls me Karina. And so I was like, he's actually just, like, making you feel like you can't be something you. fantastic. Yeah, she's going yeah. through the ringer. Like, she is, she is being... She is. Emotionally... Abused. Abused. Well, she's being emotionally taken advantage of by a lot. Mm-hmm. Just so that Paolo can embarrass his former singing partner. Like, it's so evil! <laughs> I don't think a human would be capable of such acrimony. Um, and then Gordo gets all pissed because Lizzie had a great time with Paolo. And Kate finds out. And she thinks and Kate so finds out. dreamy. She does. And she... This has been a villain in our show. But she covers for Lizzie. She has some redemption. There's this unspoken girl code that if you have a hot pop star who likes you, you have to cover for your roommate. I think that's true. I know that I've had to, I've had that enacted upon me by many roommates. And then uh, Matt, the little brother, comes downstairs to his parents and he's like, Mom, Dad, here's some cold hard facts that are going to make you get worried. And and then they're like, what? Why why did you make this up? And he's like, you're right. I'm going to just appeal to your emotions. I miss my sister. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's just manipulating his parents, but he's quite good at it. No, okay, listen to me. Listen to me. No, 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 hold on. He is not good at it. (laughs) He's good at manipulating his... not... No, he is, though. No, wait, he is, is... He is, though. But listen, this is... This is... In my notes, I wrote, it bothers me how easily they fall for his manipulation. Yeah, because they are idiots for some reason they, but okay they fall so but also the reason i realized i should start using names is because uh that could apply to either the brother or to paolo, paolo. Yeah. yeah 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 there yeah. are a lot of manipulative boys it bothers me how easily people fall for their obvious manipulations it feels like is that like the dark thesis of this movie is we're surrounded by boys who are manipulating <laughs> women who fall for it easily i mean yeah honestly if you look at all the male characters, they are masochistic men who are centered around hurting themselves or others. Every one of the characters, male characters in some way is like doing things that, I don't know, like... I, 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 <laughs> no, flesh that out. That's super interesting. Keep going. No, but like, I, I, I noticed this with like, Gordo is just being so masochistic. 
Yeah, he's just like the things he's that he's doing. Him. He is, he is very definitely like taking weight upon himself that he could talk about. Yeah, yeah. and resolve the situation. Like he's doing so much. Like you know, it's himself. it's noble or whatever, I guess, for the sake of the movie. But like, if it, this were a real human being, he would just be like, yeah, he's torturing himself, kind of. Yeah, just for no reason. Yeah, I don't feel super sorry for him. No. It's all self-imposed is the thing. Uh, So after that, we have this lovely date for Lizzie and Paolo in this garden at sunset. And it's gorgeous. Um, And Paolo makes a vow to Lizzie. I wrote it down. I, Paolo, vow not to let Lizzie be embarrassed. And if I fail, I will spend seven days with Ungermeyer. Um, this is more rationale for my theory. He is a demon with a demon name. His name is not Paolo. This is a human name. (laughs) As we all know, demons have names like, like, Pooh and stuff like that. Demons have different names. And so that's why he said, I, Paolo. (laughs) Because his name is not Paolo. (laughs) Lizzie is Jesus because Paolo came to her in the desert room and... Trying to get her to eat the bread, be a pop star. (laughs) And in the end, she says, no, Satan. No, and in the end, she was willing to take the sacrifice, which is to say she was willing to do the bravest thing possible to learn from everything that happened in order to perform, to bring the private life out into the public life. Oh, shit. Okay, when the podcast becomes a new religion... Yep. This is the cult of Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> we also worship Saint Ungermeyer, the Saint Ungermeyer. Lizzie's family travels to Rome. They see her on the tabloid and they freak out. And then Gordo like goes to Ungermeyer with the intention of like kind of ratting Lizzie out and then kind of changes his mind and decides that he's going to say that he's been sneaking out. Um and he gets sent Home. To prison. That's the worst thing that can happen to you when you're 14. Is to get sent to prison. <laughs> that is much worse. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> they don't realize it yet, but there are much worse things that could happen in Rome. <laughs> you could get Amanda Knoxed in Italy. That would be quite a lot worse than being sent home for <laughs> pretending to sneak out like if Ungermeyer was like coming at me and was like i'm gonna give you the worst punishment i'm like, I'm like oh no oh no no i'm gonna send you home i'm like oh phew <laughs> oh good all right i thought you're gonna frame me for killing somebody <laughs> <laughs> or worse just kill me like you could be the roommate okay so this is the first time that lizzie and paolo sing together and I made a note of how high this boy's voice is. <laughs> he has such a high voice. Because he's not a real boy. Because it's not really his voice either. Um, then there's a dance montage and it's fun. So fun. My next thing that I have written down is when Kate Sanders says, fine, quit. And everything Gordo did was for nothing. She comes home and she finds out Gordo got sent home. And this is pre-cell phone, so she can't get a hold of him. Yeah. And 
she was like, I just won't go to the concert, the VMAs. Being held in the Roman Coliseum. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> sure, Lizzie, just don't do that. Don't do that thing that you've been practicing this whole time. How noble. <laughs> yeah, it's like a completely useless gesture yeah. to just not go. And Kate Sanders enlightens her to this. Because Kate has a little bit of like a brain. A brain. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like really struck in this moment by how much reassurance Lizzie constantly needs. She's so insecure at this point. This is like the most insecure we've seen her. Well, okay, no, but listen, this is also the most, it's not just the most insecure, but it's, I think, the most rightfully so. This is the moment that she has brought upon herself more than any other. Yeah. She that's absolutely true. Hurt someone, and she know she let somebody sacrifice themselves. And Jesus can't have that. <laughs> Jesus does not have other people sacrifice themselves for him. Right? You know, she. I know. She has. She sacrifices horse herself for them, not the other way around. And to realize that this has happened is such a big deal for her. Right. It's like if they're at the dinner and Jesus is like, before, you know, the cock, whatever, um, (laughs) one of you will betray me. And then they all look at Judas and he goes, what? And then when the people come to get Jesus, Judas suddenly puts on a wig and says, no, I'm Jesus, and gets taken away. And then Jesus goes, what? This is not the story. (laughs) That's what's happened here. An old switcheroo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the old switcher. We missed something earlier that's important to Kate. Oh yeah? Lizzie first tells Kate everything. Kate has a moment of like, how is this happening to dumb old Lizzie McGuire? It should be happening to me. And she just obsesses about all I want is a boy in Italy to buy me spaghetti. And like the that's whole true. She movie, wants she's an like Italian taking... boy to buy yes. spaghetti. And she keeps getting video of Italian boys with her actual handheld camcorder because it's 2003 and um and she's just obsessing over the whole movie she wants that's their idea of an adventure is like she really and i remember being this age and being like that where it's like everyone just wanted a boy to pay attention to them yeah what a horrible age to be alive at that age when you're like 14 because that's it's so it really is terrible life or death i need the object of my genitalia's fascination to pay attention to me or I will die. Yeah, everything is life or death as a teenager. Is it weird that I wasn't like that? Yes. Yes. No, No, it's not that weird. It was weird. No, everybody goes through puberty differently. It's a very unique and individual thing. Like, I remember being at a... I will not say names. (laughs) Because I would incriminate many... Um, <laughs> old, old friends. Um, <laughs> not 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 criminal, but no. embarrassing. Um, that like we were at a. It was my friend's thirteenth birthday, and we were at her house for a sleepover, and she was just so depressed all night because for her thirteenth birthday she wanted her first kiss, and there were neighbor boys involved, and mm. um, my friend uh, was possibly going to be allowed to start i'm using exuberant air quotes here was going to be able to start dating perhaps at the age of 13 her mother was cool 
and her mother was asking the rest of us who's allowed to date and they were like i'm allowed to and i was like i'm not (laughs) i'm an only (laughs) child (laughs) i'm not allowed to date and um but her mom was like i think i'm gonna let this girl date and but then shenanigans ensued she kissed one of the neighbor boys and the right was taken away oh and it was just the worst next morning and everyone regretted it so much oh that it was like such a sad story it is and like i was thinking about a lot during this that it was just like that was the biggest deal in the world was like we had to get her that kiss and then it ruined everything wow but it was so important at the time and now i'm looking back at it and i'm like why were we so stupid? Why was that so important? The symbolism of, like, she had to have a kiss on her 13th birthday. Because hmm. it would have been much more fun to have a cute little 13-year-old relationship. Yeah. Holding hands. Yeah, but I think those emblems of growth are important to us when they're happening as children. That's the true. feeling that we're growing Looking up, back the on feeling them, that we're getting yeah. better at being alive is thrilling and those moments those rituals where things like that you know those are sort of religious moments in a way those are what like spiritual moments are where we're we're setting our sights on something symbolic that we need to achieve we have a significant date attached to it and Mm. we're working together as a community to make it happen make it happen i mean that's you know that's that's but like is setting these like deadlines for certain like milestones in your life i don't feel like that's a super healthy thing to do at 13 but i think we learned that lesson through it that's true yeah we learned <laughs> we learned that kisses are not kisses are evil thing. kisses will ruin your life <laughs> well I don't... that's what i learned it's <laughs> something i carry with Damn me to this day this is the point where we actually meet isabella and we find <laughs> out that this has all been a scheme to uh, embarrass her. Gordo finds her. Gordo finds her. Uh, They meet one another at the airport, and he brings her to the VMAs to stop what's happening. The twist is that uh, Isabella is the actual artist who sings live on stage, and Paolo is the lip syncer, and um, his intention was to make Lizzie sing because she's not as good as Isabella. What he doesn't know is Lizzie McGuire is fantastic and she can. Sing. Yeah, he doesn't realize. Yeah. Because uh, he never got to know her. Exactly. And then they turn off his uh, auto tune track <laughs> and he can't sing. Yeah. What a switch. Well, like, what a switcheroo. But a big moment happens before this because, as we know, the doppelgangers have been coming oh, to oh, that's right. fight each other this whole time. And so what Paolo has set forth, what should happen when these two run into each other is that they fight until the death. And (laughs) what actually happens is they have a strong bond immediately. And Isabella is the first person to really believe in Lizzie and is like, here, here's this plan. You're going to... John the Baptist. John the Baptist Baptist. arrives. (laughs) But the doppel- the two doppelgangers, instead of destroying each other for the affection of a man, they work together to take that man down and uh, get what they deserve. And um, that is the point of the Lizzie McGuire film. Is yeah, yeah. Um, men, men are evil, and women must work together to thwart them. In any uh, combination of two women and one man, the two women. <laughs> Must come together to destroy the one man. 
Yeah. Well, how do you feel about that, Robin? I, I, I mean, that's pretty similar to what I wrote in my notes. My notes. It says. It says. You get masochistic characters. It, <laughs> Speaking it, of. No, it, it, that's. It, I didn't. I didn't use the gender terms. Obviously, I said it's vindication and self acceptance when she's surrounded by supportive people, and, yeah. and when and when she doesn't allow people who are trying to tear her down into her life. And so that the moment when she actually comes out on stage and does it. Uh, is when somebody else believes in her. And that's like the yeah. first time that's really happened is when Isabella is like, you you can actually do this, you know? And something that I really enjoyed was that like, Isabella made a whole point to introduce her by her name, yeah. which Paolo wouldn't even call her. Yeah. My new American exactly. friend, Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was. He, he, yeah, she identifies Lizzie as Lizzie. She, this is like this is the person with whom truth is the the right answer. It's the, it's you know she she helped partially because it's a person who looks just like her. It helps externalize the things that have been inside her. It's it's ex, it's an externalized. It's an you know her own vision. She can see what she is. She can see her full glamour. She can see what she can be. Yeah. And because she, Isabella does look good. Yeah, and she, she like has the right amount of support just at that moment where like her family's there as well watching, but like they're there loving her, and then her friend Gordo, who like sh- she is doing this redemptively for as well, is there. But it's all of the people who actually love her in her life, support her, believe in her, and like she defies their hey expectations. Hey okay, now. that's as much as we can sing. <laughs> Probably legally. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, the lyrics of that song, because as we all know that's the greatest song ever written. In a film. Ever written, yeah, yes. Um, did <laughs> won the Oscar for greatest song ever. Um, <laughs> uh, that was the only, uh, the only greatest song ever. It's the only time they gave that award. <laughs> um, yeah. But not to make it a gender award, but it did mean something to me watching it, that it was um, not a man who came to her rescue. Yeah, yeah. It was, in fact, just a different version of her. Well... Okay, but but here's the thing though. They are they're the same. They are they're. It's just it's it goes. It's a fracturing of identity. It's it's a constant fracturing of identity. Well, they're it's, not. The whole thing is that they're two separate people. No, they're but not the no, same but listen person. to this because it's not just. The, I'm somebody I'd never watched Lizzie McGuire, you know, ever until now. But I st- I still grew you up knowing. Now. But I still grew up like knowing about Lizzie McGuire. But the thing about Lizzie McGuire for me growing up that I knew about that I was sold on was the the duality of her identity as being like oh it's Hilary Duff and Lizzie McGuire kind of thing, which then it's would be like, like the like same as with yeah Hannah same Montana as like this right exactly Hannah Montana Miley Cyrus kind of thing that that duality of identity where it's just actors playing a part and everybody knows that, but like somehow they've convinced the public that there's something more to it than that. You know, that it's like a yeah. duality. It, it truly is a duality of their identity. So it's, it's Hillary Duff who is playing, you know, this Lizzie McGuire character, but then like within even that character that she's playing, there's another deeper, more inner true self. And then you have the appearance of this externalized other self this twin Isabella who one one is only meant to imagine has her own version of that deeper Lizzie McGuire going on there's just so much fracturing of this one person this Hillary Duff person's identity 
it's the Hillary Duff place. person. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the identity that they've <laughs> sold us on is being who yeah. she is, you know what I mean? My last note was, Ethan is a poet and a beautiful soul. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Which I think was in reference to the moment when Lizzie, uh, when uh, Gordo... Oh, we didn't talk at all about the friend zone. Oh, fuck. We got to talk about The friend that. zone does not exist. It's not a if thing. If your female friend does not want to date you, she doesn't have to. It's not because you are in some mystical friend zone. It's like, oh, damn, if only I hadn't become her friend. She was never interested. This hurts. But guess what? Life hurts. Yeah. Stop assuaging your soft feelings by making shit up and then seeping it into our movie- because there's a kiss at the end with Gordo and Lizzie. Yeah. And I don't know. I didn't think it fit. I feel like Robin didn't think it fit. And it was super awkward, too. But, like, Robin, you said something where you're like, I feel like this is just displaced sexual energy or something like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, they had to tie, tie the story up in a neat way or something. They had to give the young kids some romantic closure, I guess. I think it was a huge misstep. I do, I agree. too. I, agree. I think it should have just been a film about friendship and self-realization yeah i totally they didn't have to throw in the unnecessary romance to reinforce this idea of like if you're friends with a girl she owes you a kiss she doesn't well it also does undermine the story of self-worth a little bit too where it does for both of them yeah i just think it would have been a lot more empowering if gordo was like i don't think it's gonna happen with lizzie i'm gonna be my own person yeah, if everything he did wasn't cer- centered around Lizzie all the time. That would have been a really great lesson to teach kids. Yeah, yeah. they missed a real opportunity. That's a huge adult life lesson. And if this is your finale, and this is a coming-of-age story about them, like, going to high school and being new people, that would have been a really strong thing to put in this movie. Yeah, it's sometimes the one you want to be with, it's not going to work out, and you just have to learn to be your own person anyways. Yeah. And you shouldn't just date your friend because they like you and they are nice to you. Yeah. Well, you missed it. Lizzie McGuire was almost a perfect film. Damn. We're going to have to take one one bowl of spaghetti away. 13 bowls 13 of spaghetti. 13 bowls of spaghetti. <laughs> Think about what you've done. <laughs> Hillary Duff with your original screenplay, the Lizzie McGuire movie. That's, I've said everything I have to say about the Lizzie McGuire film. I think I've got Wait, it. but I still have Reeves more notes. <laughs> Please! <laughs> Tell us. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He was kidding. No, I want him to say uh, more. Okay, he was well, jesting. I wanted to point out that there was another, you know, other than the major stage bookend, uh, you know, there was also the fountain bookend where there were, she was being cleansed at the beginning. Um, and, uh, you know, it was that symbology of new adventures, blah, 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 starting new. And then her younger brother at the end also having his, uh... That's right. Mm-hmm. His tape thrown into a fountain, so indicating a cleansing and a new beginning. What is the symbology, I wonder, then, of having his evil thing thrown into the water? Does the unluckiness of that negate? The cleansing. Good things. I mean, it's the-, the world writing itself after this, like, big shakeup of the doppelgangers meeting, isn't Falling it? Falling in love. Falling in love, the world obviously, is but... like because there's so much dysfunction that has been caused by the existence of the two doppelgangers, such as the ultimate evil creation, Paolo existing. Um, Matt's just completely. I mean, it's common knowledge that when doppelgangers meet, they one has to die, and one didn't. So, like, we have a major 
Earth Soci- reset, yeah, like happening. existential shift, uh, cosmic shift. Um, you know, like how Lizzie's dad is weird and spacey. Like maybe he'll become a person now. Yeah, maybe. Um, things have gone into disarray. Yeah. Um, do you think it's possible that Paolo's decrepit hand came forth from the waters, took Matt to hell with him? <laughs> that would be lovely. Oh, said I think you will be my apprentice. Oh shit! That's some. Is that possible? That's some deep subtext right there. It's likely, I would say. I think it's quite likely. I would give that 12 bowls of spaghetti. More likely than any other scenario, I think. Right, right. That's the Lizzie McGuire movie, too. (laughs) You've been listening to Grow Up, a Saturday morning podcast for fatigued millennials with... I'm Harvin Butterfield. I'm Katherine Johnson. And I'm Kyle. This episode featured the song Enthusiast by the band Tours. We would love to hear what you took away from the movie and from this podcast. So if you heard something that resonated with you, or if you heard something that you didn't think is quite right, maybe the movie deserved only nine bowls of spaghetti, please tweet us at growthepodup. Send us your thoughts at growthepodup at gmail.com, complete with your name and city you live in, and a little further down the line, we may share those thoughts on the air. Join us next time when we take a trip to Bikini Bottom to watch the most popular episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready. By ready, I mean I'm ready for brunch. (laughs) Brunch time! (laughs) That will be our sister podcast. Is then we're like now in the follow up. We're going to relate Lizzie McGuire to the vampire vampire (laughs) tire. Robin's not invited. Uh, I wouldn't go.